Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello and welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I'm your host, Lindsay McCowan, and it's such a pleasure to be here today again with all of you. And if you've been listening for this past year, you know how we begin this show. At the beginning of every show, we take a moment to stop, pause, and breathe, pull away from the busyness of our lives, and to drop down into the sacred abode of our hearts. So if you're in a place and you feel comfortable doing so, take a moment to close your eyes and take a deep breath in through your nose, either out through your nose or through your mouth, whichever feels most resonant to you in this moment. Just connecting to that sacred flow of breath and allow this breath to guide you down into the abode of the heart and just feeling this breath nourish and feed your heart with each inhale and with each exhale, just feeling the breath support the release of whatever overshadows the light of your heart, whatever impairs your ability to connect to the frequency of your heart. In today's show, we're, we have a special guest that's going to talk to us how the frequency of our heart can really just shift our awareness, shift and empower us, can heal us and deeply nourish us. And if you listen to our last episode with Betty Kovacs, she mentioned to us that the Sufis call the heart the organ of the soul, and it is the seat of the divine feminine. So let's take another deep breath into this sacred abode, the organ of the soul, the seat of our feminine. Another deep exhale. And then stay connected with your heart as you listen to this this beautiful woman, I love this woman. Her name is Alexandra Love, and she is a spiritual coach, a meditative guide, sound healing musician, writer, and artist. She's the director and lead of Beautiful Chorus, which is the biggest selling independent vocal group in the world. And it's known as high frequency love music. And they have attracted the attentions, attention of artists like Demi Lovato, Lizzo, and India Ari. And they've all performed with each other at the 2020's Essence Festival. In 2023, we get to see the launch of Beautiful Chorus's VR project, To the Moon, which I hope we have time to talk about today. It's a project that has been three years in the making, which is putting women and people of color on the front edge of this tech. And Alexandra has traveled the world, supporting people along their journeys for many years, performing in some of the world's largest and most renowned venues, theaters, and cathedrals. Her genuinely loving and direct approach supports the listener in taking an honest look within. As a meditative guide, her voice is a welcome tone of calm, peace, confidence, and love. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much oh. for having me. Oh, it's such Good an morning. honor. Thank Good you. morning to you. Definitely. Yeah. So um, this is just perfect timing. I know back in um, end of April, we were due to have this conversation and certain things came up. And, yeah. um, but I always believe that even if it's challenging in the moment, it's not what we really want um, or expecting to happen, that 
the universe is just guiding us to a more opportune time to have discussions or the experiences that we're meant to have. So I trust that today there's magic that's going to happen that could not happen this back in April. This is be spectacular. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That's awesome. I yeah. Agree. I agree. You know, I would love to dive in. This is, I was sitting in meditation today and thinking about spiritual awakening, you know, because it's not happening when my meditation at that moment, <laughs> because I'm thinking about it. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of talk these days. You, if you go scroll through people's websites or Instagram accounts, you're always hearing about people and their, their spiritual awakenings. And it just seems that it's mm. becoming this common nomenclature. And for me, you know, I would love for us to talk about what that means. And what does it actually okay. mean for people that when they're looking and like, well, what does that mean? Is it this big, this big event that happens, this awakening and because it can make people feel like they're missing out on something or they're doing something wrong. Mm. You mean a spiritual awakening and they feel like they're missing out because they're in solitude? Well, no, that they're, no, that they're the people that have, don't feel like they're having that experience. So they're, they're reading about this and they're hearing a lot of people t talk about their spiritual oh. awakenings, but they're not okay. quite, but they don't feel like they're having that awakening because it's not this oh. big event. Oh, yeah, that's so interesting. Sometimes the awakening doesn't feel like a big event if it's really even and it's a it's a momentum that's building and it makes sense for your spirit Then it, it might not feel thrilling and exhilarating the whole time. It might just feel like satisfaction or comfort, laughter, you know, all those moments of joy are moments of awakening, I think. So, yeah, if, if it doesn't feel like it's happening, it's it's still happening. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that because, um, you know, that even those moments of laughter are an awakening. For sure. And um, I think it's For Eckhart sure. Tolle, my friend, you know, she's just so in tuned. And she sent me this quote right after my meditation from Eckhart Tolle, who was, who says that awakening is a shift in consciousness. Yeah. And in which our thinking and our awareness separate um, and that it's not this big process I mean, it's a big yeah. process, but it's not a big event, I guess, for mm. most people. I like that, the idea of those two separating or being um, aware of each other, more distinct. Mm -hmm. Harder lines, that makes a lot of sense. Because you kind of do have to be in a witness perspective to really um, take on what awakening is. It's hard to be swept up in everything of the world and be awakening at the same time, but to step back and see a bigger picture while it's happening is always really helpful. Yeah, I love that, that that reminder that you might not realize you're awakening because you're too swept up in your daily life that you have to step back and separate for a moment and to actually witness that there are moments of awakening that are happening. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it is being swept up and maybe it's being um, very, uh, really, really goal focused and not process oriented as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's, I think it's always happening. I mean, we're here, we're constantly expanding, we're always growing. I think awakening is always um part of the experience, even if we don't recognize it. So what are some moments of awakening that you have been aware of? Um, it's funny that you that you mentioned Eckhart Tolle. I read his book, uh, A New Earth, a very, very long time ago. That was a moment for me when he broke down the way that uh, people get upset with each other or perceive things and then hold it against each other and how that dynamic sort of plays out the ego over and over in these cycles. So for me, understanding that uh, emotions are connected to thoughts and thoughts basically direct our life was definitely an awakening moment. Mm. Definitely. And so in that awakening, what what did you do with that awakening? 
I mean, I know that's a kind of weird way of wording it, but when no, you have it, no. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's, not, no. it's not weird at all. <laughs> it's not weird at all. For me, what I do when I uh, learn something new and I recognize its benefit and the benefit of it, of its application in my life, I tend to focus really intently on it for, so for, I think two or three weeks, I was just extremely mindful of any emotions I was having, emotions other people were expressing, the dynamics of a situation. And it, it helped me cultivate even more of a witness perspective in that way, because I took on just a noticing aspect to my life. So for me, how that applies is I, I started to notice more and then in noticing more and stepping back to that bigger picture, more information is always available. So it really helped me in my communications with other people, my relationships with other people. It was, it was an eye-opening experience for Mm -hmm. sure. And that eye-opening experience, were you a little bit in shock? Because for me, when I started to pay attention to my thoughts, I was like, holy hell, I have the shittiest freaking thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) All creepy. And they're really, and they're boring. (laughs) For me, uh, yes, it was similar to that. It was like, wow, I think about this a lot in a day. Or, um, you know, if one thing, uh, if I allow one thing to take me off balance early and I don't correct my energy in that moment, it can tend to sort of spiral or pick up momentum throughout the day. So I just, I noticed, yeah, the patterns, the way I was swayed and um, the way that my days unfolded based on how I was thinking, for mm-hmm. sure. And yeah. did you find it really challenging to be able to to change that pattern? Um, I don't, that's such a good question. I don't tend to feel like those things are challenging, but I think it's only because I enjoy it. So it it is a challenging experience, but I didn't feel like it was a challenge. I felt more like it was um, a new game, a realization that actually was really fun for me. <laughs> mm, we had completely different experiences there because <laughs> I became incre- I became so frustrated because I felt like no sure, matter yeah. how hard I was trying, I was still experiencing the same thoughts and patterns and mm. um and I was at the time uh in a uh, what we would call like a new thought group and learning a lot from them and they were um really uh, teaching me how to use affirmations and I was becoming frustrated because the affirmations were not hitting um at a deep enough level where those uh original thoughts were coming from in me they were only hitting at the surface so, and I know that you use a lot of affirmations in, in, in the music that you share with the world and even yeah. in your meditations on Insight Timer. And I'd love to talk a bit about the power of affirmations and how we can actually utilize them in a way that, uh, because for me, it was making me feel, it was more striking a chord with that sense that I wasn't good enough because it wasn't working. Everyone else was having these mm. powerful shifts by using affirmations and right. I wasn't. And then I felt like, oh, well, of course I'm not because I'm not good enough or I'm not doing it right or something like that. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, Trying is such an interesting word. I think that in a spiritual Mm -hmm. practice, trying can really thwart some of our um, focus. But what we've learned in terms of mantras is we've got to meet ourselves where we are. So if you're, you know, trying to have a great day and you're using an affirmation to have a great day, but your actual core thought is I'm not good enough, then that is the thought that um, we found tends to want the most attention and to need to be sort of balanced out if it's bigger than the other negative thoughts. So if 
the core thought is I'm not good enough and we can admit that to ourselves, then we can start building a bridge to how we do want to feel, which mm -hmm. then overall is a bit more um, effective. Yeah. And at that time in my life, I had no idea what the core belief was. I hadn't even yeah. done that, that deep inner work. So I think I became yeah. a bit disenchanted with the affirmations and until yeah. years, I mean, years later when I started realizing, oh, this thing called the subconscious mind and, right. <laughs> and right. how powerful it is and how do we access that? So yeah. you believe that the affirmations actually have the capacity to tap into and affect the subconscious mind. Absolutely. I, well, I believe that they do for me and I've heard that they have for other people. It might not be the case for everybody, but it, it tends to be true. Yeah. 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 And so how is it just through the repetition of the, the mantras or the mm. affirmations or is there a, do you utilize them through other modalities to help access those deeper recesses of the mind where some of these, you know, more gnarly beliefs reside? Yeah, that's such a good question. It's really um, up to each person. So we have to get in tune with what we need, how we learn, what feels good for us. I think a lot of times people uh, take on affirmations or mantras to try to fix something, which is um, absolutely great. But once you know what you need to fix, then it's, I feel like it's important to focus on how you'd rather feel, right? So we tend to feel like say we feel a negative emotion and then we're like, I need to fix this negative. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to feel this. And in saying that to ourselves, we're focusing so much on it that we're giving it even more momentum. I think sometimes uh, what happens with affirmations and mantras is that people try to put them over how they feel instead of blending how they feel into the new energy of the mantra. So I consider mantras to be like, um, like a lighthouse more just like a consistent frequency that you can tune into if it feels right for you. And if it doesn't, then I think it's important for each of us to, um, you know, we're not taught to, we're not taught to take the time for ourselves to really figure out how we feel and what our core belief is and to really focus on it. We're taught that those things are sometimes um, selfish or silly or, you know, woo, -woo spiritual, irrelevant, but they're, it's actually really, really important to just sit with ourselves for a bit. I always encourage solitude and meditation, even if it's one minute a day, just to be alone and relaxing and still in stillness um, in order to then realize who we are at the core so that then we can say, okay, here's where I'm at right now and I accept this and it's okay. And here's where I'd like to be. And that's great too. And I'm going to just work my way to that. I'm not just going to try to jump to it. A, a lot of times people try to jump into a more, a super positive affirmation when they feel absolutely terrible. And um, in some cases that can work, but in most cases, the energetic leap can leave us feeling um, like it's not sustainable in some moments. I really appreciate how you explain that. And I can, I'm just feeling back to my younger self starting off with these affirmations and how the leap was just too big. Yeah. It was just too big. Yeah. And and of, and of, I was, of course, using it to try to like to change something. I had all this expectation around. I'm like, okay, they say this will work. Let's do it. And I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll go for it. I'll say this affirmation <laughs> hundreds of times a day. Yeah. And sometimes it was more of what I understand now to be this power over. I was trying to take mm -hmm. power mm -hmm. over this thing in me yeah. instead of acknowledging this part of me that was feeling this particular way. I just wanted to stop feeling that way. 
Yeah. And so I liked how you said it's the blending of the two of them is where the power of the affirmation can take hold and allow it to be that lighthouse that is just keeping you in that, that frequency that you can come back to. I mean, this morning I was on my mat doing some asana. I was like, well, you have this new album out. So let me listen. I haven't listened to all of it. So it's perfect Mm -hmm. time to listen to all of it. (laughs) And it got me to thinking about, you know, feeling into the frequency, like, exactly. um, And and I actually love, you know, I have mixed feelings of, you know, using music with asana, depending on what the intention is, but um, and my experience just changes with it and I allow it to change. It's not like a fixed right or wrong, but oftentimes I need that, like that shift in the frequency and your music yeah. listening to it this morning, it was definitely shifting my frequency as I was moving, which I think is powerful when you move and have these mantras and are breathing. It has like these, this. Yeah the trifecta effect on the nervous system. So it was just this beautiful shift that I was experiencing through this vibration of your, your, your music through sound. That's so amazing that you brought up the feeling and feeling into the frequency. Also, thank you for listening to the album. That's so cool. And I'm glad that you felt uh, the momentum of our intention behind those, but that's exactly what I was thinking also is that it, it is about a feeling. I think, a lot of times we repeat, um, when we repeat negative things to ourselves, we think that it's just the thought that is the pattern that has the momentum. When in reality, it's the feeling about ourselves that has that momentum. So just repeating a mantra, just giving it words and repeating a mantra, a positive mantra, uh, isn't always, can be effective, but isn't always effective in addressing the feeling that we have at our core. So I love how you said that because it is exactly transferring ourselves, transitioning ourselves from one feeling into a preferred feeling for sure. This is the wonderful thing about beautiful chorus is that the mantras you help through your voice, through sound, help evoke a feeling. And so that we can connect to the mantras themselves and allow them to land on our hearts in a much more powerful way than just through walking around saying, you know, Hey, I, you know, I am beautiful. I mean, we think of what, like one of the, um, in your newest songs, mm-hmm. um, what is it? Uh, bless up. It says, thank you mm-hmm. for pleasure. Thank you for peace. Thank you for love. Thank you for ease. Yeah. And, you know, I could go about all day saying that, and I'm not connecting to gratitude at all. Right. <laughs> right. But when I was listening to it this morning, I was like, oh, I can actually feel that because gratitude is a challenging one emotion for me to um, experience and hold on to. Mm. So I need a tether of some sort to help me, um, or to find that connection. Yeah. And so, um, I really enjoyed listening to that, the song bless up, you know, and thank then I was like, you. Oh, and I loved how you said, thank you for pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what we hope, uh, all of our songs can inspire is that when we're singing them, we're feeling exactly what we're singing. So we hope that it is like a lighthouse to those exact frequencies mm-hmm. and not just uh, the words that can bring about those frequencies. Because you're right, there are absolutely people who could listen to it and not feel anything, but it, it takes uh, being in tune with how we feel to connect with how something else is feeling as well. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. So, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, your you know, beautiful chorus is the, the biggest selling independent vocal group in the world. And that's no small thing. That's amazing. <laughs> that's <laughs> <don't> huge. That. <laughs> well, that's, that's what so I cool. read. So, that's so cool. uh, 
And the what I love about it is that your music isn't conventional. It's not yeah. like what I would, you know, classify under um, pop, you know, the, the popular stuff. Right, right. It's, pop, it's popular in certain genres and, um, but, you know, but it's so dedicated to this loving resonance of, and this, you know, union of the mind and the body and the heart. Yeah. And you're so dedicated to helping people shift in their vibration. Yeah. And so I think that's incredible that this, you know, your music at this time in history is really like starting to have this big wave and resonance with people all over the world. And I'd love to hear how, you know, beautiful chorus and share with the audience that's listening today, how beautiful chorus came into existence and yeah. why you believe this resonance is attracting more and more people globally. Oh, wow. That's such a good question. Uh, we started about 11 years ago now, I think. And um, we had gotten together for one performance was our plan. And I taught the ladies these harmonies that I had sung for another album that I created. And I put together a festival for it. And we practiced for months and months. And then we had that show. It was an amazing show. It was like a debut album with um, you know, all these beautiful harmonies and so many people came. It was amazing. And then when we finished, we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, we, <laughs> we want to keep doing this. This feels amazing. It feels like it's a space for us to express what's truly within us. And from there, we just kept going. We planned um, a tour and we created songs that were from our hearts and we're still doing it today. Just the fact that people enjoy it is incredible because um, as you said, it's not conventional and it's because we're not conventional. So the fact that we can be our truest selves and people really resonate with it is it's a special experience. It's really beautiful for us. Well, and it's just an example that if you are just really true to yourself and not yeah. trying to fit into convention, yeah, you will resonate with other people more because more. you're just being Absolutely. completely um, authentic. Yeah, I think that that is probably one of the biggest secrets to, not a secret, but one of the biggest um, essential elements of success, of personal success is to be so authentic that, you know, there's a space for each of us in this world. So when we're authentic, we, it's like we get to fill up the space that we're, that we're meant to fill. So it's, it's beautiful. We're thankful. Mm. Well, you know, I had all these other questions that feel like would be, um, perfectly aligned with the previous question I just asked you, but <laughs> that's not where I'm getting the hit to go because when we're talking about being just really authentic, it makes me yeah. think about your insight timer meditation. <laughs> so just though she, Alexandra is on insight timer and she has these incredible, yeah. uh, wonderful meditation tracks and uh, you have one that's called fucking relax. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing even because I'm listening, I can hear it in my head. And so you know, and it kind of ties into the, around the affirmations. Cause when I was first learning about affirmations, um, I was told like, oh, you have to be careful of the words that you say and make sure that they're in resonance with your heart. And it's a high frequency vibration. And a lot of people think cursing is not a high frequency um, vibration. Yeah. And so some might question using curse words in meditation, but, sure. um, and that, maybe they're lower vibrations. They might inhibit one's ability to connect into that spaciousness. But mm -hmm. I have to say, I sat and I listened to this and I was really, you know, I've been going through a lot of difficulties this past year, especially this past six months where I'm realizing how burnt out I am and how disconnected I actually feel. 
I feel that. Yeah. Ugh. Makes I get me want to cry. I get that. I think it's a prevalent feeling right now in the world for sure. I think we're all burnt out, which is um, a very challenging experience to have. But what it inspires is so beautiful, which is that we stop doing things we feel obligated to do. We mm. stop catering so much to other people. We stop worrying because we have to. We have to let those things go in order to not completely burn out. So I feel <laughs> that. I feel that yeah. completely. I feel that well, completely. it's funny because uh, that you say that because I'm decided to step into the scary unknown, which, you know, as a spiritual practitioner and um, teacher, and that's where we play a lot, but this is even scarier because I'm letting go of everything just to, for, um, for a while, just to, because it's just, everything just has felt like too much. Like yeah. what, what really, what is my passion or yeah. is it, is the passion now forced? And, um, mm. and so it's like stepping in there. So I appreciate your words because it feels like a little bit of a, download for me to say it's okay oh it's more than okay it's so okay <laughs> it's perfect it's perfect yeah because yeah. it changes everything when we step away for a second even if it's for however long it's for mm-hmm. any moment of stepping away and just feeling our own edges our own energy our own choices is yeah a divine thing it really is it changes everything yeah a divine thing yeah it feels divinely guided for me right now as well yeah. so and so just to tie back into the your track fucking relax on insight timer you know when i was listening to it i was like in that stuck place and taking my practices probably a little too seriously Mm. and it just started making me laugh (laughs) (laughs) and it helped me smile and i could feel like the attachment to my practices starting to lessen yeah and so so tell me a little bit about (laughs) what (laughs) inspired you to create this track that is how I talk to myself, basically. So I I create the things that we all create through Beautiful Chorus and for myself um, as Alexander Love are so authentic that it's literally like things that we're singing to ourselves around the house or it's things that we need to hear from ourselves in a moment. Um, I created a whole a coloring book series too called Fucking Relax, Fucking Love Yourself, like just for those moments when the practice feels like I'm trying too hard and I'm just like, just, just fucking relax. (laughs) And for me, comedy and mischief are ways that I relax for sure, because laughter is like a total reset always. So Mm -hmm. in creating those, that's what uh, I was hoping to inspire. If, you know, if people feel it, there are definitely some people who believe that uh, language matters in a spiritual practice. And I do believe it does. I just feel as though intention um, is the core element that for me matters most. So if it's done in love, if it's done with uh, an earnest heart, then I feel like it's okay. And I could feel that in, in the meditation that it, it you know, because you can use that word fucking or fuck, and it can be really abrasive and yeah. Yeah. Um, and feel um, like your heart's closing down when you use it, mm-hmm. or it can be like this uh, very aggressive energy. But in the meditation, it was, I could feel that there was that intention behind it, Yeah, uh, that there was love behind it. And because it was making me laugh, it was making me <laughs> soften in that moment. So yeah, um, I appreciate you saying that, you know, yes, words do matter in a spiritual practice, but the intention behind them and the love behind them is what really has the power to shift 
whatever word it is, because we assign the meaning to those words. Exactly. The words carry the frequency of the intention. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so, so beautiful. <laughs> if you're feeling a little bit too attached to your practice and you're not feeling like you're getting what you want out of it and right. um, you're getting a little too serious, then I highly recommend listening to Alexandra's <laughs> meditation on Insight Timer. So, thank you. And this happens every single time when I have an amazing guest on Time Flies and we're already up to our first break. We're only going to take one break for the show today because I knew that we would have so much to talk about. <laughs> and But if you are listening, ladies, and you love the show, reach out to me at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. I'm very available via email and I am seeking women to support the show. So if you want to be a supporter, a sponsor, or you want to be on the show or know someone that you think would be an amazing guest, reach out to me because there's ways that we can rise and thrive together. And it's so important that we understand that and we work together to lift each other up. So if you want to lift this show up and be lifted up yourself in this community, then reach out and I'll be happy to jump on a call and share how we can do that together. So we'll be right back after this short break. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello and welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. We're having an incredible conversation with Alexandra Love from Beautiful Chorus. And, you know, before the break, I had mentioned that I'm kind of been in the slow burn. I think there's moments where it's increased, where I feel like I'm in the freaking fire. And then there's other Mm -hmm. times when I'm not even aware that I'm still burning and so I had a guest, uh, Amelia, Amelia Nagoski, who wrote the um, book called Burnout, The Secret to Breaking the Stress Cycle, and mm. on the show back in May. And I had this awakening, a moment of awakening, that I was like, oh my gosh, I am I, I am in burnout because it might be low grade, but I'm in burnout. And I'm, yeah. and I'm also losing that connection to my passion and to my inspiration. I still have my vision, but there's, the, there's that disconnect. Um, yeah. 
Mm. And so I'd love, you know, to hear from you, like when, you know, how do you stay connected to inspiration? Because you're, you know, in my, you know, outside perspective, of course, this is not true that you're always creating. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> okay. okay. That's very true. <laughs> how do you stay connected to your inspiration and that, that well of creativity? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, for me, what I found, it's been a, a, a dance and a finding of that balance, but what I found for me works the best, which I feel like could probably work for other people is, uh, I, had to adjust my life to do more of the things that I wanted to be doing and less of the things that I felt obligated to do or pressured to do, or like I had to do it in order to find success or, you know, all the have tos, all the things that Mm -hmm. feel like trying or feel like I have to motivate myself or feel like um, harsh for the sake of getting to a place without honoring the process that my personal being would appreciate in getting there. So it's not uh, doing away with discipline and it's not a doing away with motivation, but it's like tailoring them more for me. So in a moment, if I'm like, you know, I feel like I want to go outside. Okay. I get up and I I walk out. I sort of follow my intuition more. And that keeps me in tune with my personal inspiration all the time. Really? Mm. It's like the two things for me that go hand in hand. And when I don't listen to myself and I do things outside of what I really want to do, or I cater to, um, other people or try to mitigate the experiences of other people to reduce the suffering of other people beyond what um, I'm currently capable of, you know, with my mental bandwidth or emotional bandwidth at the time. Anytime I step outside of that pattern, I um, don't lose the connection, but the, it's harder to hear. Mm. It's harder to hear. I think the more I listen for the cues of other people, the harder my own cues become to hear. So for me, staying in tune with it is um, consistently listening to myself, consistently mm. listening. Yeah, it's oh, intuition and inspiration. Uh, yeah, this is the I want to say kissing cousins, but I don't think that's the right uh, <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> but you know, they're just they go they are intimately intertwined and interconnected yeah. and, and and necessary. Yeah. And um, so, how what's your practices that you do to stay connected to intuition? If the intuition is what really needs to happen, you know, staying connected to that is yeah sounds like the precursor to staying connected to the inspiration. It is. And it's so beautiful because there are precursors to precursors and then precursors to the precursor of the precursor. So for me at this point, staying in tune with intuition um, is natural. But what it took for me before it was natural was figuring out the difference between the voice of my intuition and the voice and my inner voice or the voice of authority figures from growing up. And, you know, because the voices we hear growing up tend to influence our inner voices. So I really had to distinguish, which took me back to that time when I was really mindful of my thoughts and my feelings. I had to recognize the difference between the two. And the way that I did that was just on their frequency, just based on how they feel. So if I, if I were to say something to myself that didn't feel great, I'm like, well, that's not my intuition because my intuition wouldn't elicit that feeling. But if I say something to myself, like I'm proud of myself, I know I got this, I can keep going. This will get easier and easier. I've already done so well. I've come so far, you know, all the things that are true about us that we tend not to say to ourselves. Those are the things that I had to sort of um, give more airtime to. And then that 
strengthened my ability to hear my intuition. And then in doing that for so many years, it's just like now the only voice that I really hear. I love that that's the only voice that you really hear right now. For the most because part. Yeah, because there are so many voices in our head going all lot, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a tremendous yeah. amount of different voices. And to be able to distinguish between your own true voice and yeah. those of society or your parents. Or, so many voices outside yeah. of us that yeah. are sure they know what's best for us or even acting like they know what's best when they have an ulterior motive, which could be consumerism, materialism, whatever it is. You know, like there are so many voices coming from the outside that to get in tune with what our personal voice is saying, I feel like is um, really paramount. Yeah, because we are being bombarded every all time, the time. We, all the time. Yeah. All you have to do is turn on your phone and yeah. you're already being bombarded. And yeah. And for me, it's like my intuition isn't even really a voice. It's, it's a feeling. And so yeah. that's even yeah. more subtle and has been more challenging for me to follow that because mm. the voices are, are they're loud. They are yeah. really loud and, um, yeah. and, and they can be a little um, uh, deceptive in the sense that sometimes it sounds like a genuine loving voice and mm. it, and it's almost like I have to really take that time to get still and feel it, feel the, yeah. like the energy of it to yeah. know if that's really an alignment. And sometimes if I don't, if I don't make that time to get still and I follow something mm. that sounds like a really confident voice, mm. then I realize, well, what's behind that confidence? Is it really confidence right. or is it a little bit of fear? Right. And so it's not true. Um, so for me, it's like the my intuition can be so subtle, but I'm so much more familiar with it now mm -hmm. than I've ever been before. And it's starting yeah. to become more of a default. I still have the, the, the voices of the shoulds, you know, taking this time off. Sure. There's a lot of shoulds in my head right now. Like, yeah. uh, and like, okay, you know, what are you going to do? My intuition is yeah. like, you're going to rest, girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to yeah. get your feet on the earth and be in nature. Yes, absolutely. The shoulds are, uh, are, can be so powerful. It's almost like a beautiful gift, all the distractions in the world, because they do teach us that no matter how we try to follow them, they'll, they'll never give us what following ourselves and our own intuition mm. can. So distinguishing that difference is so beautiful um, in the feeling of, how it feels. I've always said to myself, anything I say to myself about myself that doesn't feel good just is not true. Mm -hmm. This is not true, you know? And just to trust that what your intuition feels like, sounds like, is going to be different than someone Absolutely. else's. It's so easy Absolutely. to listen to someone else's stories and like, oh, I don't, or experiences, and I, like, oh, I don't feel that. Yeah. Um, but just... Yeah to have that, that deep level of trust in yourself and yeah. your own experience. And so it kind of leads into a question I have about ritual and ceremony, like what rituals and how I feel personally that rituals and ceremony are really important to be able to connect to the intuition and the inspiration um, and that our culture hasn't really, that hasn't been part of our current history. Yeah. And I feel like there's a starting to become more of an awakening around the importance of ritual and ceremony. And do you particularly have ritual and ceremony that you bring into your life? Yeah, um, it varies. It tends to just be any kind of creative expression that feels good in the moment uh, or meditation, you know? So it can be dancing, painting, walking, talking, laughing with friends, making videos, making songs. It can really be anything um, is what we've 
all created in beautiful chorus as our traditions in life. I think that we, in this culture, tend to look at ritual and tradition like it's a break from the busyness of the world to tune in. And I think that that is really beautiful. I think that there's another aspect of ritual and tradition that is that all of life is a ritual. All of life is sacred. Every single moment we are consistently creating and paying respects to ourselves or the divine or whoever, you know, the world, people we love, whoever, whoever we, whoever we like. So in that respect, um, my life, my whole life is a ritual in that, just in that respect. That's so beautiful. Um, and it's easy to forget because life can be challenging and it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And that remembrance that life is a ritual and it's all of it yeah. is sacred. Yeah. Um, can be hard to, to acknowledge. I mean, it sounds great when everything's going good, but mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you, how do you accept that when life is not going good, when it's, you're really being hit hard, like, it went through perhaps grief, a loft, loss yeah. of a loved one or a job or a health crisis or all of them at once. Yeah. Yeah. How, that, how do you stay connected to the sacredness of that? It's, uh, it's challenging to talk about because it can sound in the discussion of it like struggle and grief are being uh, avoided. In some spiritual conversations, it can sound like people are saying, just don't feel the bad. And that's never what I'm saying. So I just want to preface (laughs) with that. But I would say uh, for myself that when things are challenging, the the sacredness of it is still present. So there, it's not that when things are good, life is sacred for me. And when things are not the way I want them, that life stops being sacred. Um, For those, those two things are um, linked, but not the same for me. So in moments of sadness, grief, heavy emotion, suffering of any kind, just for myself, I'm, I go to a place immediately of allowing myself to feel it because I think that some suffering is prolonged by us resisting it. So while I might not be <laughs> always in the throes of this is so sacred during a moment that I'm <laughs> suffering or that I perceive that I'm suffering. Um, I'm still aware that the sacredness is, is there because none of us know what any of this is. So I, it feels truthful to me to consider it all sacred, even during the most challenging times. And I appreciate that the viewpoint that when we resist I mean, it's not, it's not spiritual bypassing. It's like allowing the feelings to move through us and yeah. so that you can have a richer experience of that experience. Yeah. More depth. Don't, yeah, yeah. There's more depth and there's, you know, and there's such, so much unknown. So many things that we don't know. There's so much unknown. It's and, mostly and- unknown. <laughs> <laughs> In the most beautiful way, because we know what we know for sure, but everything is always expanding, always shifting, always changing. So yeah, I think that's that's uh, always on my mind for sure. And then you know, if we understand that it's mostly unknown, that we can maybe soften into the unknown because we're always trying to control things. Like that's a very yeah. hypermasculine approach to things. We have to control things because if we mm-hmm. don't, then you know what's in the unknown is meant to be feared. But you know, from a feminine perspective, and we talk a lot about this on the show, is that. The, the magic and the mystery is in the unknown. And that's where actually we can find our power. There's a lot of power really that beautiful. people, yeah, a lot of 
I mean, I, I think a lot of people would agree with this. Some of the most challenging times in their life on the other end of it, they feel more mm-hmm. empowered. Yes, absolutely. Um, when you say hyper-masculine, uh, it feels to me like hyper-feminine is also very controlling. I think the hyper-version mm-hmm. of exactly. either of those energies sort of starts to get it in controlling in different ways, for mm-hmm. sure. Like one is maybe more a physical control and the other is maybe more an emotional or mental grip. But I think that um, the balance of those two is really important. So like we know what we know and we live through that vision, through that perception. And then we're also aware that we don't know and we live also through that perception and that vision. And I think learning to ride the waves of that is can be challenging, but is also where a lot of our joy can be. Yeah, absolutely. With the control, control the hyper up on any aspect of that, what we would categorize more as feminine or categorize more as masculine so. is a sign that we are out of balance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just if it's, dis- if it's, if it feels disproportionate and it's, what's beautiful about that also is that's not about how other people are perceiving you. It's not about someone telling you you're hyper-masculine right now. You're doing this. You're, it's about how we feel within this most important pers- perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perspective. And that can, that can shift moment by moment and how we feel now. Absolutely you know, 10 years from now, we might be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was feeling that way. Cause now I can see that right. from a, a different perspective that yeah. I have a much more freedom now because I've changed my perspective from what it was then. Isn't that incredible? That's what even what struggle and suffering tend to do too, is give us a new perspective that then is, is always helpful in the long run. <laughs> yeah. we think we know so much now. And then later on, we're like, oh, I didn't know jack shit. Yes, <laughs> I did. I did, but I didn't. Right. It's uh, both. Yeah. It's both. Yeah. And I want to make sure that we have some time to talk about, well, your new album, because it's mm-hmm. it's really so beautiful and it's a little bit different than the other albums that you've put out. Yeah. And also talk about this, this project to the moon. Which one do mm-hmm. you want to start with? Which, what feels like, where, you, where do you want to go? Um, well, to the moon is a virtual reality project that we're creating for um, just a meditative practice, like a 10 to 12 minute beautiful meditative practice. And it's been such a journey creating it. It's incredible. It's, it really is creating all the nuances of a world that is pure imagination. So we're really excited about that. Mm. And so what types of, is it all types of meditations? Is it geared mm-hmm. towards um, specific people or experiences that they might be going through? Mm. It's based on uh, three songs from our Goodnight Moonchild album, which is a lullaby album that we created. So this is a ve- this is very much a end of the day, relax, set it all down, let any energy go that you don't need, and just experience the beautiful visuals of um, of a story that we created. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. And you ha- you are so talented at the visual arts as well. Like if you go to oh, thank you your the beautiful chorus. Instagram account, you do all the the reels and video clips for mm-hmm. each of your um, your tracks, correct? Yeah, yeah. The videos themselves are created by an amazing artist named Brett DeVos. Um, but I am also a visual artist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My drawings are very uh, intricate and based on shape mm. very much. And so tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind your your new album. The palace. The palace. So I, as the soon ins- as I say that, I want to sit up tall because right. it, it, there's the songs in it that like remind you that your body is a palace, like you yeah. are the palace. 
That's really what we hope for. The idea behind the palace is something that all of us in Beautiful Chorus relate to, which is just that uh, our power, we are our power. We are our power. Our power doesn't come from people giving us permission to do things from the outside. And our power doesn't come from people's opinions of us on the outside. Our power is from within. We are literally the temples, the palace, you know, that I'm not a religious person, but I know that a lot of religious texts very much point to heaven or the divine being within. And so that's what this album is about. It's the exemplification of that first in general with bless up as like a blessing track to um, set the tone. And then the palace as a reminder that we are each so sacred. And then each song after that for us is a different aspect of that dynamic empowerment. So that's what we hope people feel from it. And then you end it with let it all go. Let it go. (laughs) Let it go. Fucking relax. Fucking relax. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So I've never asked this question of a guest before, but I feel inspired Ooh. to ask you. Ooh, okay. I know. Are you ready I'm here for, for it? it? I love it. Okay. Yeah. What is one question that you wish someone would ask you? A question I wish someone would ask. Because, you know, when you first meet someone, everyone, you'll always ask the same questions, but what is something that you would really love for someone to ask you? Hmm. Okay. You know, if I'm being completely honest, I get more excited about people presenting what their answers are and then me presenting what my answers are more so than myself being asked a question, if that makes Mm. sense. I enjoy the balance of people coming together with like, here's what I figured out and here's what I figured out. And like, let's see what we can learn from each other. Mm. So I guess Well, I guess that could be put into a question. A question that I would love to be asked then is, um, how should we begin? Mm, How should we begin? Yeah. More so a collaborative experience than a, I want to give this answer kind of a Mm -hmm. thing. My answers are always inspired by whatever questions come up. So Mm. that would be the question. Well, Let's begin and end with this conversation then. So Beautiful. we can we can compare our answers to, you know, what is your understanding of thriving unapologetically at this point in your life? For me, thriving unapologetically, I, uh, I experienced that question on a few different levels, but I'll talk about the main two. The first is thriving unapologetically for me is thriving authentically, lovingly, with fun and joy at the forefront. The second level for me is to say that there's nothing that thriving needs to be apologized for anyway. So thriving for me is always unapologetic because I believe that thriving uh, is what we're all here to be doing. And that I think maybe societally or culturally, we have an idea about thriving that if someone thrives, they forget where they came from or they leave the people that they came up with behind. There's something to thriving that feels almost insidious in our culture. But I think that if I'm thriving in a way that is authentic, that I should be benefiting as many people as possible. Definitely the people closest to me, but my personal goal is always just to thrive unapologetically in a way that just allows the help to expand, Mm. if that makes sense. 
It makes perfect sense. And it's a really beautiful, um, I mean, I feel that in my body, but I can also envision that like when you're really in that, that well of thriving, it's not just about you. Not at all. When you're truly thriving, it's about, you know, yeah, everyone else and what you're offering the world. And, yeah. and, you know, for me, the, the thriving is just really that ability to continue to move forward, even when things are challenging and not, and not have an end goal in mind for it, but just to stay connected to the heart and allow the heart to guide me without apologizing to her instead of telling my heart, I'm sorry, I can't do that because of all my conditioned beliefs that want to keep me small, but I'm just like, no, I can feel that intuition. Yeah. And I got, I listen to it and follow it. And when I do that, it's really scary. And, you know, I'm stepping into a scary unknown soon. And, um, but just like, I know that's what I need to do. And from that, I will thrive so that when I do come back, it will um, really be of greater service to the world. Yeah. Is there a way to uh, to look at what you're moving into um, to prepare mentally for it as you, because you're not there yet. Like you're still on the grid. We're still talking. We're still um, participating. You're still participating in, you know, the way that you have before. Is there a way to look at it um, with excitement? more than the mm-hmm. scary unknown. I know that it yeah. probably is scary. Mm-hmm. So because I get that I'm <laughs> into the scary unknown too. And what I I'll say this, I guess what I found helped me was changing the way I looked at it as I was going into it because it's mm-hmm. it's so divinely guided for you that scary for sure, but also like, oh my gosh, so powerful. Such a powerful place to go. Yeah. I really appreciate that. There, you know, at first it was scary because I was so attached to um what I should be doing. But now that I'm yeah. getting closer to it, the excitement starting to happen. Like, I'm so ready. Like, let's just do oh, this. You know, like, awesome. cause you want to resist at first. Right. And then when you soften and like, no, this is what's happening. This is what needs yeah. to happen then. And there's a deep well of trust that is starting to strengthen Ooh, as closer yeah. that I get to it. Yeah. Um, but I have to soften into it and I'm doing that daily. So that's incredible. Yes, for sure. That's beautiful. So we only actually have a few more seconds so to the show, and I want to make sure that everyone is available and knows how to reach out to you. So what's yeah. the best way that people can connect to you and your music? Oh, my gosh. We're everywhere. Well, we're streaming everywhere. Um, and then if you just want to go to our website, beautifulchorus.com, you can find all the links to all the things. For sure. Okay. And definitely mm-hmm. check out uh, Alexandra's meditations on Insight Timer. They'll, yes. They're just wonderful. And you have such a beautiful voice. And thank you. thank you so much for representing Beautiful Chorus here today as well. And send my love to them as well. And um, if you're, again, if you're listening, be sure to tune in. Uh, next week is my last show before I take a break. So that will be a solo show. I have no idea what's going to come through. I might just step in and let it all be channeled. So, um, but until then, take care. And there's so much love for each and every one of you out there that are listening. And until next time, many, many blessings. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.